Aerosmith defined the ideal image of a hard rock band. They released classic album after classic album while also making headlines with their wild antics and rampant substance abuse. It wasn't always smooth sailing either, folks. Aerosmith came close to crashing and burning, both literally and figuratively, several times. But they continued to persevere and made one of the most explosive comebacks in rock and roll history. In this two-part special, I will try my best to cover the 42 craziest facts about this legendary rock band known as Aerosmith. and welcome to another episode of Micro Break, the podcast for humans with the attention span of a goldfish. I'm your host, Michael J. Mayone, and this is episode 106, and this is part one of the two-part special about Aerosmith. Yes, and not just about Aerosmith, crazy facts about Aerosmith, 42 to be exact. We're going to try to get through all of them in two sessions. Now, check this out. I found this tidbit of information on a website called Factinate. That's right. Factinate.com. Things and facts about Aerosmith. So we're going to be kind of reading from their facts. And I've been doing a little cross-referencing, and I think the stuff's pretty accurate. So we're going to just kind of run with it because there is so much to say. I have personal experience with the band myself. Thank you very much. Uh, Okay, I was just in the audience, but it was a private concert by the legendary Steven Tyler. Yes, in some all-female band, which I'm trying to find the information on right now, but I can't. This is really cool because they popped up again in my Twitter, Steven Tyler, and it's very sad. Because there was pictures of him and then pictures of women, old women, and they were making fun of him, saying he looked like an old woman now. Let me tell you something. If you can do half of what he can do talent-wise on one hand, I'll give you a million dollars. The guy is talented. He has been a legend in the rock biz for a very long time. And Aerosmith has been nothing short of legendary, one of the biggest rock bands of all time. Crossing into the pop genre, the blues genre, the rock genre. Hell, there's probably even disco in there somewhere. So let's go through some of these crazy facts. Let's find out a little bit more about this band because just reading the first few facts, I already learned something new. So I know you are going to learn something too. So here we go. So there's titles to these. So we're going to use the titles and this is going to be fact 42 and we're going to go right through. I'm not going to say every number. Making it rain. (laughs) Even to this day, Aerosmith is the best selling American rock band of all time. They've sold more than 70 million albums in the U.S. If we're talking worldwide sales, that number jumps to more than 150 million. That's albums, folks. That's a lot of scratch. 
Grammy glory. Aerosmith has won four Grammy awards throughout their existence. Of those four awards, they were all won during the 1990s, and they were all for best rock performance by a duo of group with vocal. (laughs) That's what it says. These awards were for the songs Crazy When I Make You. Oh, can I spare you and just say the names of the songs? <laughs> Crazy, Pink. Pink is my favorite color. Janie's Got a Gun. Janie's Got a Gun. And I'm Living on the Edge. Living on the Edge. See, I know every song. Look, I'm terrible. I don't sing Aerosmith songs. It doesn't fit my voice. I have a tenor voice but these songs everybody knows these songs you just say the title and you know the hook it's amazing The awards coming. In addition to their four Grammy Awards in the 90s, Aerosmith had also won 10 MTV Video Music Awards and six American Music Awards. Holy schmole. Roll call. Now, I'm curious about this too. One of the things as a DJ for well over 20 years, I was always really terrible about was knowing the names of band musicians and vocalists and who's the drummer in Death Leopard. You'd think I'd know that one, right? Didn't he have like one arm? I have no idea. I can't remember. The only drummer I can think of is Phil Collins and uh, and, and John Bonham. And who's that guy from the Beatles? (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm not the guy that's going to give you music trivia and band names and that. I need to look this stuff up. I know lead singers for the most part because I myself am one. In total, Aerosmith has had nine members. One of them, Buck Johnson, had served as a touring member since 2014. Three others quit the band in 71 and 84, respectively. The current lineup is as follows. Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Tom Hamilton, Brad Whitford, and Joey Kramer. These guys are definitely long in the tooth when it comes to appearance, but they still have long hair and probably no teeth. (laughs) Oh, what's in a name? The origins of Aerosmith's name begin... As with so many other rock bands, when the members of Aerosmith were sitting around getting high, hey, one guy band, in between reruns of the Three Stooges, <laughs> Joey Kramer reflected that he had spent his childhood writing the word Aerosmith on his notebooks. The band was skeptical about the word, but only because they thought he meant Aerosmith, like arrow, the word arrow, like a bow and arrow, which is the title of a book by Sinclair Lewis. Never read it. Don't know it. Out before the going got good, the shortest-lived member of Aerosmith was good old Ray Tabano. Tabano had been a childhood friend of Steven Tyler's, and he was later hired by the band in 1970. However, Tabano parted ways with the band in 71 and was replaced by Brad Whitford. Wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine if he would have stuck around? The day Aerosmith was born. In the 60s, Steven Tyler formed the band's chain reaction while he was still living in Yonkers, New York. Joe Perry, Tom Hamilton, and Joey Kramer were in another band called Jam Band. 
1970, the two bands played the same gig in Boston. Tyler and Kramer had known each other before that day, but hearing each other play was a magic moment. The members of both bands decided to merge into one, while Steven Tyler became the front man after having previously been the drummer of the band Chain Reaction. Gee, do we have a clip of Chain Reaction where Steven Tyler's a drummer? Hey friends, I wanted to talk to you about a new app I discovered called Newsly. Newsly is an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It searches the web for the most trending topics and reads them to you in a natural human voice. It's like having your very own news journalists browse content from sports, science, technology, entertainment, and much more. They even have podcasts, and Microbreak is no exception. Download and start listening to the free Newsly app today. Even better, use the promo code in the show notes below to receive one month of Newsly Premium for free. Now stop scrolling and start listening. Are they a tribute band? When Aerosmith first began playing music, and even when their first two albums were released, they were written off by many as ripping off the Rolling Stones. There's another guy with huge lips and long hair and gets compared to women all the time. Sad, but true. But he's a Brit. This was partially due to Aerosmith's blues rock sound and also because Steven Tyler bore a striking resemblance to Mick Jagger. Just said that. My goodness, I could have wrote this myself. There are worse nicknames out there, right? Over time, Aerosmith became as known for their drug problems as much as their music. And now, I didn't see that because I was probably doing drugs at the time, to be honest with you. And we don't, like, see each other's drug problems when we're all drug addicts. Does that make sense? (laughs) So I'm going to continue. In fact, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry's legendary partying led them to being referred to as the Toxic Twins. Now, that would have been a cool duet to go out and perform. Could have been a terrible performance, but they can just say, hey, look, guys, we're the toxic twins. What the hell did you expect? Hooray for the boob tube. (laughs) One way that Aerosmith cemented their legacy during the early 1990s was through television. In what's been hailed as one of the best moments in the history of Saturday Night Live, Aerosmith appeared in a Wayne's World sketch. They also memorably guest starred in an episode of The Simpsons and performed on MTV's Unplugged series. Remember us. Speaking of their Wayne's World cameo, Aerosmith also joined Mike Myers and Dana Carvey for their transition to the big screen. Aerosmith appeared in Wayne's World too, performing two of their songs. Bad times on the horizon. Despite the wild success of their first four albums, or perhaps because of that, Aerosmith began to falter around the time they were recording Draw the Line in 1976. Joe Perry later admitted that Aerosmith had turned into drug addicts 
dabbling in music rather than musicians dabbling in drugs. Oh boy. Perry also referred to that time as the beginning of the end for Aerosmith. More on that a little later. Thanks, Jack. In late 1973, Aerosmith began recording Get Your Wings. In this endeavor, they were joined by producer Jack Douglas for the first time. We all start somewhere. The music video for Aerosmith's song, Janie's Got a Gun, was directed by a young David Fincher. He would go on to have a prominent film career, directing such classics as Zodiac, Fight Club, and Seven. All of famers who aren't done rocket yet, in 2001, Aerosmith was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What makes this induction unique is the fact that they are so far the only band to be inducted while one of their songs was active on the charts. In case you're wondering, it was Jaded. It gets worse before it gets better. The production of Aerosmith's 1997 album Nine Lives was one of their most troubled productions. First drummer Joey Kramer was grieving his father and struggling with depression. He took time off as a result, with Stephen Farron brought in as a replacement. However, the band had also had enough of their manager, Tim Collins. Collins allegedly spread discord amongst the band by pitting them against each other. Not only that, the band's record label was dissatisfied with how the songs were turning out. When Kramer returned, the band decided to re-record everything from scratch. They even renamed the album to Nine Lives as a reference to all this strife. Pretty cool. I wouldn't have never known that. A stellar lineup. One of Aerosmith's more unique accomplishments during the 1970s was appearing in the film adoption of the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Amongst the many famous figures who made up the cast were the Bee Gees, Peter Frampton, Steve Martin, Alice Cooper, Hart, Tina Turner, and Frankie Valli. Because let's face it, folks, Frankie Valli gets into every film, doesn't he? We talked about him not that long ago, didn't we? with Olivia Newton-John in the movie Grease. Getting out while it's bad. Joe Perry's 1979 departure from Aerosmith came at a very bad time for the band. Aerosmith was struggling to finish their album Night in the Rut. The studio was also pressuring Aerosmith to give them another hit album after Draw the Line underperformed. New band members were brought in to finish the album, but everyone would end up disappointed by Night in the Rut, which proved a surprisingly apt choice of title for that album. <laughs> Our high water mark. At more than 8 million records sold, Toys in the Attic remains to be Aerosmith's highest selling studio album. We all start out somewhere. Before she was a star, Alicia Silverstone was known as the Aerosmith Chick. She earned this nickname by appearing in music videos for their hit Amazing, Crying, and Crazy. Talking about a laid-back dad. Speaking of crazy, the music video for that one raised a few eyebrows back in the day. The video featured two young ladies lying their way into a pole dancing competition only to go skinny dipping with a young farmer. In case you're curious who the other actress in the video was alongside Alicia Silverstone, it was Steven Tyler's daughter Liv. 
In fact, the video made sure to make parallels between Stephen and Liv's suggestive dancing. Ooh boy. And of course, there's a beautiful picture of Liz here. She looks a lot like her dad, except for the ugly part. So there you go, folks. That is part one. And we just breeze through many, many, many facts. We actually got through what feels like half of them. So on the next episode next week, we're going to continue to go through the facts and then we're going to wrap it all up in a bow. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please remember to rate and review the show. And if you leave me five stars, you are freaking amazing. But if you leave me six, I don't know how you pulled it off, but I will give you a big bear hug. Anyhow, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Michael J. Mayone, or you can follow the show at micro underscore break. And the underscore is, of course, the line. Please don't try to spell that. It's just that funny line. You know where it is on the keyboard. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Four.